Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Luxe mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Hey there and hello, everybody. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Michael Munoz, and welcome to a very special edition of In Yo Mouth. Hey there and welcome back to a very special episode of In Yo Mouth. Once again, I'm your hostess with the mostest, Munoz, and in the words of the late, great Joan Rivers, can we talk? You may have noticed a major change in the style of today's episode. Today just didn't feel right to me to start the way I normally started. In Your Mouth, since its inception, was supposed to be and is a comical yet educational relief from the news cycle brought to you through a food lens. Since I have taken on the pod solo, I've had many conversations with you about my feelings and always bringing you my best self the only way I know how. Today is different. This week marks the beginning of Pride Month, and I felt that it would be very disingenuous of me and my spirit to come to you, my loyal listeners, and perhaps some new ones as if everything in this country was fine and dandy. I also think it would be a great disservice to the memory of Martha P. Johnson, Sylvia Rivera, Stormy DeLavarie, and all the LGBTQ people of color who fought for my rights and our rights, some of you who are listening. I often speak these days of um, also the helplessness I have felt during this time of quarantine and self-isolation. And now with what's happening and what has been happening to people of color, especially Black Americans, I feel even more helpless. But I also feel enraged, anxious, guilty. Yes, guilty. We're going to get to that in a moment. And maybe some of you are are feeling this way too. And what's the best way to process all of this? I don't know, but maybe today I can help. Today, I'm going to ask you to join me in something a little different. And what I think will probably be the most important conversation I will have on In Your Mouth. I have gathered some of my chosen family to co-host a kitchen table talk about what's happening to perhaps bring some perspective, some thought, and maybe even help you out there 
have some of those hard conversations that we all need to be having with everyone around us. And before some of you shut me off because you came for some relief from the news, I want to challenge you to stick with me today and hear us out. I have always said and always say my voice and platform is a way I can help. And I have seen firsthand that my voice can change the world. And I hope that today's episode will help amplify or maybe activate yours. And so with that, I want to introduce three of my very, very beautiful family members who are who are sitting virtually with me at the at this kitchen table. One, Vanessa Walker. Say hi, Vanessa. Hello. One, uh, her husband, Lenny Walker. What's up? And no stranger to this podcast, my best gal pal, Michael Bragg. Hello, everyone. Happy Monday. Happy, happy Monday. Happy Monday. We are recording on a Monday, although this comes out on a Wednesday. Um, I want to welcome you all, and I really want to thank you all for being here with me today and giving up uh, some time out of your very, very busy schedule and just doing what you're you're doing normally in life to kind of be with me and have this talk with me today. Can you tell the audience a little bit more one by one about what each of you do and who you are, starting with Vanessa? Sure. Uh, Well, it's great to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me and Mr. Walker uh, to this uh, podcast. And of course, um, I'm always happy to sit around the table with you and Mr. Bragg um, to chat and eat. So this is a good place to be. Um, I am, I would say, a washed up opera singer. And I I don't mean that negatively. Um, I still like to sing high notes every now and then. And Mr. Walker has to leave the room. But um, I am a trained opera singer turned uh, communicator, I guess you could call me, and joy seeker. Uh, I have a book coming out in August, and uh, I also work with my husband at a company, and we do diversity, equity, and inclusion work. Beautiful. Thank you. So we know kind of what uh, Lenny does as well. Say hi to the people, Lenny Walker. What's up, people? Um, I'm Lenny Walker. I am the not better half of Miss Vanessa Walker, Um, and those high notes in closed spaces are quite loud, let me just tell you. Um, But (laughs) um, so I work for a company that does, like you said, equity and inclusion training. And so I go around the country and I facilitate conversations about systemic racism and race in general in this country. And um, yeah, right now it's needed more than ever. So Michael, thank you so much for creating this platform for us to talk about this. No, and thank you because I... I, as a light-skinned Latin male, even I am feeling like I need it right now. Um, So thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. And uh, before we get to Michael Bragg, um, as Jonathan Valdez said a couple uh, episodes ago, uh, for those of you who listen on the the constant, uh, she knows people in all walks of life, right? I have all the connections and I am so happy that these people are here with me today. Michael Bragg, say hello. Hello, everyone. My name is Michael Bragg. Um, I am a retired, I guess I could say, opera singer. Um, I know Michael and Vanessa and Lenny now. I think I was just doing the math. I think most people I have known on this call for over 20 years, 20 years or more. Um, And I've was, you know, introduced to all of these people either through music school or 
working with them in the music world um, and became friends. Um, I am now the music librarian for the San Francisco Opera Company. Um, and also, um, I am also um, chair of the opera committee at the Opera House. So this, this month is kind of a big month for me. Um, and I'm doing a special project with the opera orchestra to do a sort of a lip syncing um, drag queen contest. So that's uh, something to look forward to. Um, and I am yes. very, very happy to be here and talking about a subject that is very important um, to be having, especially in yeah. these weird quarantine times, quarantine times. Yeah. I mean, in thinking about today's episode, um, I was very excited to have you all with me. And uh, Vanessa and Lenny, before you came on, Michael Bragg was talking to me and I said, I'm excited and I'm scared. And I, it was very funny because I didn't know I was scared till Michael Bragg asked me, which was really, really interesting, right? I didn't, I didn't know I'm having all of these emotions. And so I'm imagining that if I'm having all these emotions, I can't imagine what some of you are having, right? And that's where the guilt comes in. And, um, and in processing this, I almost don't know where to begin, right? So I want to, I think the best way, way to begin <laughs> I think is a check-in on how we're feeling, right? Because these are the listeners, in your mouth listeners, you can't see us. Um, we, I have a diverse panel on here, right? So we are all different backgrounds on here, all different experiences, all different walks of life um, being celebrated today on In Your Mouth. Um, but I think, uh, how are you doing? Um, check-in, I think would be a really, really great place to start. Starting with Lenny, how are you? How are you feeling? You know what? Um, it's interesting you asked me that. And Vanessa asked me this a couple of times yesterday to check in with me because I'm not generally the most emotional person. I don't always, you know, you can't always tell how I'm feeling because I'm very, I'm a Jamaican American man. So we love to like bottle our feelings up and put a lid on them and keep them there for all time. Um, but so and I, I haven't watched a lot of news just because of how dark it's been. And then I don't haven't been on social media a whole lot because, like, for instance, yesterday, I went on social media for the first time in a few days. And I saw a post from a friend from college's brother. And he put this post on of an African-American man on TikTok who was kind of discounting the riots and things and saying, you know, something not really helpful in this time. And of course, he's a white Southern man and he put this post up of a black man saying this and it really disturbed me. And I sat here for a while and thought, what should I do? Is it even worth me reaching out to him? Because, you know, with the work I do, that's one thing we often think about is, is it worth it? Is the person you're going to be talking to going to be receptive? Will they care? Is it worth you expending that mental energy to try and talk to them? And I was like, you know what, for the sake of my friend, whose brother this is, I'm like, he might be worth it. So I reached out and just said, hey, you know, I want to let you know, I saw that post. It might, it's not super helpful right now. So I just wanted to encourage you to think about taking it down. And he responded very nicely and said, he thinks it's important to hear the other side. And thank me for my, you know, email, but 
he wasn't taking it down. So I was like, okay. Um, and that was that, right? So um, I realized I have to protect myself right now, right? I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm mentally in a decent place. It's hard. It's difficult to hear and see all these things. Um, and then when people start to discount what is happening and what people are doing, it's difficult. But I'm, I'm hanging in there. So, you know, thanks for asking. It's a great question to begin with. Thank you. And I, I, I really, we're going to get into the social media of it all and responding in a minute. Um, but thank you for sharing that. Michael Bragg, how are you feeling? It's a very loaded question, you know, um, because not only am I having, not only are we all having to deal with the emotional ups and downs and roller coaster of what it is to go through the pandemic, um, but it also, when, th- when these stories break, um, then you have to deal with those emotions that are unrelated to the pandemic. And so it is, it's like you're having to, you're in the middle of these two gigantic emotional roller coasters that have, sometimes they intersect and sometimes they don't. Um, these are the moments where they intersect in a way that I don't feel comfortable protesting, even though I would love to go and protest because of the pandemic. Um, I'm also in an immune compromised situation with my health. And so I also have to take those sorts of things into account. And so it just makes it harder to feel connected and to feel like you're doing something, um, or that you're being active. So I've really turned my attention to my online support and making sure that I am reaching out to my friends and my family and making sure that they know that they have the support. It, it, so it's, it's weird because it's like, I'm, but then you also have to protect yourself. So, you know, I'm fine, I guess is the best way to say that where I am, but it's that within that fine is, is a very um, sense of unsettledness. Yeah, for sure. Um, thank you. And Vanessa? Thanks. Thanks, uh, Michael. You know, I am, you know, I'm about the same, you know, there's this strange uncertainty that is just all around us. It feels like with the pandemic and there's been so much change over the last, you know, really since February, March. And it feels like there, you think that there's going to be an end to the pandemic. And then you realize, oh no, we, we actually don't know when the end is going to be. And we don't know what the end is going to look like. And then as Michael was saying, in the, in the midst of all of this, we are reminded so in such a horrific way of the really the the wound of racism and oppression and the issues of equity that mar this country right that that this country is built on um and as you know i'm a white woman and as a white woman in this environment married to a black man you know i sometimes struggle with trying to figure out how do I manage my own feelings and my own feelings of um, fear uh, for him and also just sadness, but, you know, without taking up too much space because white people take up a lot of space. And so that's something that uh, I struggle with 
So this is actually what sparked the, and I'm glad you said that. Thank you. Uh, this is what sparked this idea, what you just said, of having you all on this podcast. Because Vanessa and I are, are longtime friends, and she called to check up on me. And I told her that I was feeling guilty, as a, I am a person of, of color, but my white presenting mother, right? Because she's very, very light-skinned, right? With her blue contacts, worked her ass off, and afforded me the best life possible, took out loans for me to go to school, so on and so forth, right? And so being being of a, having a certain privilege, right? And um, being also of color um, has really messed with my head, right? These days, especially these days, right? Because yes, it's afforded me a lot of great things, but at the same time, I've had, I've had, terrible things said to me. And for example, one agent told me that I was too educated for her to take on because I looked one way and sounded a different way. Correct. But this is where the guilt comes in. And this is where I was talking to Vanessa about on Sunday is that although this is um, a problem dealing with people of color, it is specifically dealing with Black Americans. And so this is where I feel guilty because I'm like, I don't know what to do as a person of color. That's different. Do you do y'all understand what I've what, what I'm saying? Absolutely. And chi- yeah. feel free to chime yeah. in. Chime in, chime yeah. in. Like we're yeah, this is definitely. an open discussion. And so this is what sparked this conversation. And this is why I want you all to be here because yes, I I call Michael Bragg on the daily to check in, right? I call, I call all my all my black friends to check in. How are you doing? Because it's important right? In what you said in managing my feelings, but also making space for you who are hurting right now. Yeah. You know, Michael, I love that you keep talking about guilt, right? And I, I get that feeling of guilt, right? That um, even though you're a person of color, you're a Latin person of color and you don't experience it the same way. Um, and in our film um, that I, that my company made, Called I'm not racist, am I? A great facilitator talked about guilt because what happens is, you know, you feel guilty about, you know, if you're white or fair skin, that you don't have to go through this stuff. But like she says, guilt is a feeling, it's not an individual action, right? So guilt is like, I was hungry earlier and so I ate and I fixed it, right? It's not an action. So knowing that you have these privileges, knowing that you have that is is great, right? And most people don't even realize they have the privilege to not have to think about what people of color think about, black people especially, on a daily, hourly basis. So um, I'm going to encourage you, Michael, to not, you know, to while you do feel guilty, try and change that guilt, right? Because I know you're doing things. You're doing this podcast. You're you're trying to go to um, uh, March later. And so you're doing things to actively disrupt the system and things. So you shouldn't feel guilty because you are actually trying to help. So think about it that way. Try to reframe your guilt into, you know what, this is how I feel right now. And our feelings often, you know, aren't based in truth, right? We feel things and then they're gone. So feelings are passing, but it's their actions that matter. Yeah, feelings are not, yes. Feelings certainly aren't facts, but it's... I, in thinking about this and in, and in hearing you, it's really interesting because if I'm feeling this way, right, being afforded a certain life, but still looking a certain way, right, and and being discriminated against in, in very different ways, but maybe very similar ways, um, 
the my white friends and my white population that's that's around me right have all the feelings as we <laughs> as we know have all the feelings from from empathy to to none and and although it's um i can't speak to that right um i wonder i wonder if it's similar i i sit here and i wonder if it's similar or i feel i wonder um if if the guilt of not knowing or 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 is there guilt associated with this doesn't involve me because i surround myself and try to educate myself um about these topics so this doesn't necessarily apply to me which i'm seeing a lot online or like this whole i don't see color um or you know and that kind of i feel like what it domino effects into um the i don't see color and then further domino effects into other things you know what i mean mm -hmm. you know what i'm talking about here yes no maybe so yeah i mean i think i think that it's really a it's really complicated and it's complicated whether you are uh, a white person, whether you are a um, light skin person of color, whether you're African-American, um, it's all complicated. And I think the way it affects um, people is different, right? The, and um, acknowledging the simple fact that you can, that we can acknowledge that my experience is different than Lenny's experience or um, Bragg's experience is part of the part of the process. It's actually it's actually part of making a good choice to say I can acknowledge that even though I'm feeling this way, how this situation affects me is different than how it affects someone else, and. Um, and sitting in that place of being uncomfortable is is part of the process, right, Lenny? That's right. We all have to start getting comfortable being uncomfortable. I think. Yeah. Right. Um, and Michael Bra Michael Bragg has always been an inspiration on on <laughs> uncomfortability, <laughs> <laughs> and in the best and in the best of all possible ways. We'll say more. Uh, uh, me, Michael Bragg, because you you have never been afraid. Um, to speak your mind, um, anything to add? So, you know, it's, it's interesting as I'm listening to everyone and talking about guilt and feelings and all of this. And, you know, again, you know, I had, I'm still employed. I'm, I am getting paid to work, I'm working from home. I work for a nonprofit arts organization and I am still working. And so in this time of the pandemic, there's been a huge sense of guilt because I know that so many people out there are suffering, have lost their jobs, have lost their homes, um, have had to completely upturn their lives because of the pandemic. And there's a feeling of guilt that I have because I still have so much access to resource and so much access to just continue to live my life as if nothing has really changed. Except the fact that I can't go to the store, I, you know, can't go to restaurants and bars and, and social life, you know? Um, and then again, it's, what am I going to do with that? What do I use this privilege that I have been given in this time, which is employment and resources? What am I going to do as an individual who has all of those things that a lot of people have lost to help those who have lost? And that same thing goes into the guilt that I was feeling for, I, even though I, so my history 
is I grew up in Indiana in an all-white town, very few black people there. Um, I was afforded a very good education because of that. Um, of course, people said terrible things to me, but fortunately, I had a mother who was very, you know, she grew up in the Jim Crow South and was like, this is not, this is not good. You are better than that. Um, and so I haven't had any kind of, and then because of the career that I went into, being exposed to, you know, lots of educated, well-off white people, um, I've always lived in a sense of of luxury. I have been removed from a lot of violent hate against me. I've had things said to me, of course. I've had, you know, obviously I've not gotten jobs because probably because of the color of my skin. Of course, no one ever said that to me. Um, but the reality is, is that it's up to me now to use the resources and the little bit that I have to to help those that ha- haven't. So I think when we think about guilt, when we think about our feelings, it's about our feelings are fleeting. Yes, sometimes they're not even truthful. But how are we navigating those feelings to then create progress and to create a world where there's more equity, there's more humanity, there's more justice and more joy and love, right? And so I think in this time, this is these are the questions that are the most important as far as how we are going to move forward as a, as a collective, because we are, because again, what this pandemic to me has really shown is that shown all of us is that we're all experiencing this as a, as humanity, because there's not one part of the globe that is really untouched by this thing, right? Just like racism, sexism, all of that is experienced globally, but we try to segregate that out as it's like, oh, that's their issue of sexism, or that's their issue with racism, or that's their issue with dysphobia or or ism, right? And it's like, what this pandemic has shown us is that we are a collective, we are humans, and that is what we are collect- we are connected by, and how we as humans can better life for all humans across the board, whether it's a virus, whether it's an ism or a obia. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I think you've actually made, uh, well, you did make um, a, re- a very, very good point there because I've been seeing a lot online uh, from our white allies, right? People who've done the work, people who fight, people who who make it a point and have a diverse group of friends and make it a point to, you know, educate themselves and so off that they're, they're feeling, for lack of a better way, a- attacked. Right. Or 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 why is this? Why am I lumped into this group of people? And Michael, I think you made a really, really great point of this feeling of guilt and maybe have even answered my question from like 10 minutes ago of like using your resources, using your resources to do better, using your resources to to go out and help, using your resources to have these conversations, using your resources to educate yourself even further. Um, and in speaking of like this online, this online, I don't even know what to call it, tornado, because it's it really feels <laughs> like a, like a tornado, like 
a tornado. Makes you want to drink some sangria. Uh, can, we, can, we, can we pour some? <laughs> hey, Zeus. I mean, right about now, I need I need some I need some of uh, uh, Mama Gladys's uh, perineal. And coquito. And some of Michael Bragg's cookies. That's and it. Some coquito. That's it. And some oxtail. But I mean, I went for a run, I went for a run the other day, for example, to clear my head, and I couldn't get away from the news cycle because all the tow trucks, the police tow trucks, were carrying burnt fans, and so it's um. I think next, my question to you all is, is I am not known for being a keyboard warrior, um, meaning responding and fighting with people online. Although I had a very nice <laughs> educate, I had enough of somebody the other day and I, uh, I came from a place of love with it, you know, and I invited them to an open dialogue. But how, how do we, or how are you all processing all the information? How are you refraining from being keyboard warriors? Do you think it's helping? Do you think it's not helping? So my, I have I have lots of feelings about uh, social media and its, its false sense of activism. Um, because... Mm. That's the, good. That's good, Bragg. The reality is, is that we forget that social media is mo- mainly an echo chamber to whoever you're you're typing into the void, right? Um, because the way those algorithms work is that most people that are in your circle of friends on Facebook or in Instagram pretty much probably hold kind of some of the same values, most of the same values that you do. So there's a sense that people feel that they can say whatever into this echo chamber because they will get a, a, a probably majority of feedback that says, I agree with you, right? And then when there is something that pushes back to that, there isn't enough, there's not enough space in the echo chamber for them to actually step out of that and say, how am I going to think about this rationally, logically, this, this, this contrary idea. And so for me, I don't engage with that because it truly, all it does is incite people to either harden what they already believe or then to think that how you believe is so wrong that they then can't see any part of that. And that is dangerous because it, what it does is it's galvanizing. And that is what's been happening over centuries in this country is this galvanizing idea that it's this and that. It's you and me. It's them over there and us over here. And that is dangerous. And that is not collective. That is othering. That is, that is a type of divisiveness that we can no longer live in. We can't do it. It's unproductive. So my opinion about social media is that the only reason it should be, and especially in this time, is to truly send out supportive ideas and ideology. Because if we're not supporting each other, then what are we doing? And whether you agree with what you're reading or not, there is a way in which to support those that that are aligned to what your vision is, right? And not engage with this, this this false sense of like arguing that's going to be progressive because it never is progressive. It's stinted. Yeah, you know it's interesting. Uh, you know, thank you so much for sharing that, uh, Michael. And you know, I when I think about how you interact on social media, social media, I you know I see a lot of similarities in the same way that Lenny interacts on social media. That idea of disengaging, you know, because 
it's not worth it, right? It's not worth it for your own personal self-care. Um, the other side of that, I would say as um, a white woman who has like a lot of white conservative friends from all over the world and the country, I sometimes find myself in situations on social media where I might be the only white voice who is um, talking about systemic oppression or systemic racism. And I feel like there are sometimes opportunities there for me to at least offer information if someone is curious about what they can do. And I have noticed over the last, you know, especially last week or so, um, that more people seem to be curious. Although it also kind of drives me crazy because I'm like, you know, they want to post one thing and they feel like they're doing this great thing because they posted an MLK um, quote. But to your point, this is about action, right? As we're going, we're talking about guilt and we're talking about feelings. Like that's one thing, feel your feelings, be there. And then what are you going to do? But, it is, but is it our job to educate? Hmm, I don't know. I mean, is it our job? I mean, it's yeah, our job I mean, to interrupt. It's helpful if we, if we have the bandwidth to educate, you know, I mean, it's helpful, right? Because yeah, right exactly. now, especially, I don't That's have the great. bandwidth. You know, like I, because I have, I too, like I have a lot of conservative friends who I'm friends with, right? And, you know, and they, well, this has been going on since I left college 27 years ago, right, that um, they've been posting these things. And I've always been like, oh, I have to always stop and think, is this person worth it? Is this person worth me engaging? Will they be receptive to it? Because what we really want when we post things is to just be reaffirmed, mm -hmm. right? We all want confirmation bias, right? right? We want to only read things and listen to things that confirm what we already believe. So, and most of us... Which just, which is the void Michael Bragg was talking about. Exactly. Yeah. And we're not curious about other perspectives, other experiences. We just want things to confirm what we already believe. So for me, a lot of that, you know, um, jumping in and saying things isn't worth it. But when I do feel like it's worth it, then I might step in and say something, hoping that this person will be receptive to what I might have to say. So now we're seeing all over the place that, and everyone is posting everyone is posting and i i have i may have a little bit of a larger web than um the three of you just because i'm i'm just out there a bit more with uh, via the foodscape and whatnot so i'm getting a lot of my my chamber's a little bit more a little bit all over the place and you're more popular than us we know um, we know <laughs> well <laughs> i, I didn't want to say, say that, that you're but... popular than all of us combined <laughs> We understand. <laughs> we have millions of friends. We get it. Oh, I yes, got <laughs> Thanks for inviting us to your kitchen table. Well, you know, um, <laughs> that's why you're sitting over there and I'm sitting over <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> To go back to Michael Bragg's, you and me, okay? <laughs> but I, I, I feel like across the board, at least in this echo chamber, we're calling it that, is that everyone's saying that now's the time we need to be having these conversations. Now's the time that if you're silent during this, um, you're on the wrong side of history. Oh, okay. So can I can I say? May I say something? Yeah, go ahead. 
Um, so I love that you used silence because what, so I'm, I'm a part of this book club and we're reading this book called The Sovereignty of Quiet, uh, Beyond Resistance mm-hmm. in Black Culture. And the author um, talks about the difference between silence and quiet. So I think sometimes we can confuse quiet with silence. Silence is oppressive. Silence is repression. Quiet means you're in thought, you're in meditation. Like people don't pray out loud for the most part. Prayer is an in, in, is is inward sort of thing, right? Meditation is more inward looking. So I think it's about the quiet. There's a difference between silence and quiet, in my opinion, because quiet has action in it. Silence is, is nothing, right? And so I think for me, when I don't look at people's, I think, yes, silence is never a good thing when it comes to this. But I think some people are confusing people's quietness around this situation as being silent. And this, again, I think is can be misconstrued via the social media platform because that's how, especially now, that's really the only way we have real true social engagement. And so I think people think if if they're not seeing people respond to things or actively doing something on this this social media platform, that they're silent. And I want to rethink about how we use that word because I think a lot of people in this time, especially men and women of color in this country, are, are quiet because they're trying to strategize what their next thing that they are going to do. And sometimes I feel like, and this is my own insecurity, is that sometimes when I'm not engaging on social media, I feel like I am being silent when I'm really being quiet. Mm. And so I think that's a, a very, like, I think that's a discussion that we need to talk about because I think for those people who are really going crazy on social media, there is, um, I think there, there can be a sense of like, if I'm not that person and I'm not doing that kind of work, that's very sort of like every day, all day, like posting and, and, and very vocal about it, that somehow I'm being silent. And sometimes, mo- I think for a lot of people, it's really just finding the quiet within the turmoil so they can figure out how they can move forward and be progressive. Well, and this, and that like leads to the question I was originally going to ask, which is like, how, if you are being quiet, how are we fostering these? How, like the, the four of us, obviously we've been friends for a very, very long time, but how do we foster these conversations, these with the more difficult people in our lives? How do we foster conversations with, uh, even with some of our friends who we don't have 20 year relationships with, you mm-hmm. know, how, how, how do, how, how do we come, come out of the quietness, right? Because I, I feel like there are people out there who don't know how to, how to start this conversation, you know, what I'm uh, saying? Yeah, no, here? I mean, I think definitely honoring, uh, you know, as the, white person on this call, I will say if you have white listeners um, and you want to learn from some of my mistakes, um, sometimes I have tried to basically tell people of color how they should, I've been shooting on them, how they should be acting, right? How, what they should be doing, how they should be reacting to things, as opposed to understanding that maybe Bragg's quiet or his silence, his quietness is what he needs to take care of himself. And actually the person that needs to be 
taking action and being more vocal is me. Um, and speaking up and to the, um, the people in my own circle who need to be approached. Right. And I think that I have over the years had some really difficult, uncomfortable conversations with family members, with best friends, with, um, people, uh, in my church with all kinds of things to say, Hey, listen, like, what you said is not okay. Like what you said is racist or you using that word is not appropriate anymore. And some of those conversations have gone well and some of them haven't gone well. Um, But having the conversation is the first step from my perspective. But people of color have been having this conversation forever. And I, you know, as my husband will, will tell you, you know, sometimes he doesn't want to have the conversation anymore. He's like, go ahead, Vanessa. You want to have this conversation? Feel free. But I'm tired. Yeah. Yeah. Lenny, anything to add? Seeming how Vanessa's pulled you in. (laughs) Right. Or Lenny, Lenny was on mute and he was like, I don't want to have this conversation anymore. (laughs) Lenny is tired. (laughs) <laughs> right you know what's so funny is when i um i used to live in nashville tennessee when i lived in nashville you know like i went to a really small college and was like surrounded by all white people all the time and it was constantly explaining and telling things right and so i was like um when i left nashville I went to new york i was like oh thank god i'm finally away from this i don't have to be i don't have to talk to people all the time about you know whatever right i can now just live my life around people who get it, right? And then here I am, you know, years later doing this work where all I do is talk to white people about race and racism, right? Um, and so I'm like, I just, this was, so now it's, it's a calling, right? It's what I feel like I'm really called to do. And, you know, Michael Bragg, I love what you t- said about quiet and silence. You know, I hadn't, I had never thought of it in that way, but that is so like enlightening and so, such a great way to think about about it because we talk about you know being silent a lot and or being quiet and how you know people always want to fill the void with um noise right people are very uncomfortable when there's silence because it's like you know oh you know they get nervous and they want to say something right but silence or quiet oftentimes is people are thinking Right? right, and we don't always let there be space for quiet for that for to be quiet, and so I love that you know differentiation between those two things. Thank you. Well, and what this book talks uh, really sort of brings up the idea is that blackness in this country is never associated with quiet hmm. because it is always in opposition and in resistance and has to be a very loud resistance to the the to, to its oppressor, right? And so oftentimes we don't even feel like we can be quiet because the work that needs to be done seems to be so, needs to be and felt loudly enough to get the point across. But I think it's important for us to, for as part of our humanity, every person, every human on this earth is allowed and it is a part of the human experience to be quiet 
to allow yourself some some quiet space to figure out where you fit into all of this. Because again, we're not, if this were, of course, this would be a terrible situation no matter what, but it's exacerbated by the fact that we are in this terrible, terrible crisis. And so people are already in a state of exhaustion just from what has happened before this event, right? And so it's so necessary in this time, especially, to really try to find our quiet so that when we are loud, that that loud actually can speak to people's hearts because it isn't, mm-hmm. it is, a, it is, it comes from a place of quiet. And so that when we actually do speak, it has more effect. Yeah, it right? has more weight, right? And right. It has more weight to it. You know, and, and thanks for, thanks for sharing that, Michael, because I do think as um, Lenny was saying, you know, I am someone who likes to fill the space. <laughs> I like to talk. Um, you know, but, uh, I'm going to interrupt you for one second because I feel like the four of us never, uh, like we talk and we've had serious conversations and so on and so forth. But because I feel like it's just so formal because we're on my podcast here. Uh, well, thank you for sharing that. No, thank you for sharing that. No, thank you. Thank you. Y'all were not this polite. <laughs> never. <laughs> On our best behavior. Oh, please. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, I've embarrassed. I have 114 or 16 episodes where I've embarrassed myself enough. You don't have to do that work for me. I've like, been there, done that. Then, then let me take up a little space here and just say, okay, that one of the things that when you ask us, how do we have these conversations, right? Well, it. For me, I used to, I was uncomfortable having these conversations because I didn't know enough. I was afraid to talk to people about racism. I was afraid to talk to people about things because I didn't know if I should say Latino or Hispanic or Latinx, or if I was supposed to say African-American or black, or I didn't know what I was supposed to do. And the fact that I knew that I didn't know was a good starting point, right? Because I was able to then go out and find some information. And so the the hope that I have out of this as, as a white woman is that more white people will, and, and not just white people, but specifically because I am white, I'm going to just speak to myself and the people, um, you know, my demographic is that, that they will educate themselves, that they will not expect people of color to offer up education for them, that they will not go to people of color and ask them to explain to them their whole life if the person of color needs a bit of quiet. Google it. Google is free. Google it. Find yourself a book to read. Google systemic racism. Google institutionalized racism. Figure out the difference between bigotry, prejudice, racism. Google those things and then share that information with something, with someone. I mean, we, we, I think so often we think we have to do these huge grand things, but gain information and then share information. Perhaps you can share a little bit of information with your uncle Joe, who is, you know, who didn't grow up with the same kind of um, education and who is ignorant to the issues of uh, um, systemic racism. So learn something, go out there. There's so many valuable 
books and courses. And I want to push my our own company, but you know, we have a great course, uh, mm-hmm. a, a digital course that people can do at Point Made Learning. But there are so many wonderful books and organizations out there. And then also donate. Donate your money. Take the money mm-hmm. that you were spending at Starbucks, take the money you were spending going to the movies and give that money to um, organizations that are run by people of color, color of uh, uh, change. change. What are some other ones? Lenny? Yes, I have, I, have a, I have a full list of those that Good. I will li- link yes. out, but the Black Visions Collective, Reclaim the Block, uh, North Star Health Collective, The Bail Project, Communities yep. United Against Police Brutality, Know Your Rights, Fair, Fair Fight, uh, Unicorn the George Riot, For- The George Floyd Fund. I mean, you know. The George Floyd Fund, uh, his GoFundMe. Yes, um, there are so many. And um, we all thank, thank you for that, Vanessa. You're so uh, welcome. Thank you for acknowledging <laughs> and validating me. <laughs> the, 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 the four of us could, could talk our heads off on this subject. And um, I kind of want to like just leave it there. I want, I want a breathing moment. I want a breathing moment for the audience. I want a breathing moment for us, um, I, I, I think we need to take this into a quiet space and process this. And hopefully out there in your mouth listeners, um, this has helped a little. I know it's helped me a little. Um, I really wanna thank all of you for coming on and sitting at my virtual kitchen table um, just to chat with me and be with me and, and virtually hug me and love me and cause I love you all. Um, and before we go, just to lighten it up, um, I do something, a little something on the podcast called Food News Update, where I explore ridiculous food news topics. And do you know that people are out there, people are out there um, opening cans of SpaghettiOs and pouring them into popsicle molds, freezing them to make SpaghettiOs popsicles? What? That is disgusting. That is gross. <laughs> that is disgusting. <laughs> that is disgusting. Wait a minute. You're telling me y'all won't eat... Uh, SpaghettiOs popsicles. I'm not about First of all, I don't even think I've ever had SpaghettiOs, so I'm certainly not going to have it. You are a liar and a thief, and the truth ain't no. In <laughs> I do not remember what if I, I. I have never. Now listen, I've eaten a lot of crappy food in my life. Okay, spam, you know, canned peas. I've had a lot of crap in my life, but SpaghettiOs, no canned peas. <laughs> no, I used to love spaghettios as a kid, but I'm like, oh, no. spaghettios. But so I with those meatballs. Oh, with the meatballs but, that don't taste oh, you know like not made of meat. <laughs> no, okay, guys, I get it. I'm, I'm, I was gonna say I. So I'm gonna put this out there. So. I grew up in Indiana, and anytime I would go over to my white friend's house, and she'd be like, "Oh, we're gonna have spaghettios with milk," I'd be like, "No, I'm good. I'm going home." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "No, nope, I don't want that white people food." <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I will say, I will say, that I love spaghettios as a kid, but I don't believe my grown-up palate would appreciate it the way <laughs> it used to. So, especially freezing it, that's just a hard, a hard pass. <laughs> Right, it'd be like kind of like a frozen Bloody Mary without the oh, liquor. That's I gross. wanted to say why? Gross. Why are people yeah. doing this? I don't know. Boredom. No. Um, boredom. 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 People have nothing to do in quarantine. We've been milking <laughs> cucumbers. You and... know what? I would rather them do that than be doing pot. You know the Tide Pods. 
Yes, yeah. for sure, for sure, for sure. Well, listen, can, uh, well, can I can can you all share with me like one of the your favorite things that you've been cooking over the last quarantine as you've been quarantining? Um, I uh, yes, yes, I love that. Go, somebody. Brag. I'm, I'm gonna go for well, brag because brag posts a picture of every okay, brownie, so, every cookie, everything. So like, I have the I've I've really become very much the baker like i've always but like i used to be um these three people on this podcast today can attest that i love to be in the kitchen baking um (laughs) i've had many good baking successes and a few baking fails um croissant (laughs) um the famous croissant story that's for a a later podcast um but i really feel like you know any kind of baking and i what i I have a new project or sort of new thing that I want to do is I want to go through the Martha Stewart baking Bible and pull out every recipe that I have not done out of there, which are a good many, but I've done a lot from that book um, and start doing those just to sort of like, you know, spice up my, my baking times. Lenny and Vanessa, what have you been uh, cooking up? So I'll go because I have not been cooking very much lately and it has been glorious because since my <laughs> wife has been home for the most part, she has like taken to cooking for me, which has been wonderful. So I uh, love that. Yes, me I too. Love that. So I have not been cooking very much. In your mouth listeners, my um I I have gathered a very intelligent panel of uh people in in diversity, non-bias, um and equity training people, very intelligent people that can throw down in the MF kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Vanessa, uh, what have you been uh, cooking? Yes, well, as Lenny said, I um, have you know reengaged my hospitality side, and I have been cooking just everything. I mean, you name it, I've been cooking it. I am roasting vegetables and making things with biscuits and by the way we're in the south right now and if i can find a biscuit and find a way to use a biscuit i will eat the biscuit pimento cheese and um you know healthy food too but just just loving to uh, going to the farmer's market and just really enjoying nourishing you know there's a there's a famous line from drag queen latrice royale uh, where she always says, Jesus, be a biscuit and sop me up. <laughs> wow. And on that note. Oh my God. Podcast done. <laughs> and on that note. That's that. that, that, that. And Mama Rose is disappointed. <laughs> well, well, folks, I've been covering meat and in, in, uh, I've been searing some meat and throwing some Dijon mustard on it and covering it in some truffle powder and throwing it in the oven to finish it off. And it's one of the most delicious things that I learned uh, from a restaurant that I worked way back um, that I've revived. And it's, it's been really, really incredible. I want to wish, I want to first thank you again for the millionth time during this podcast for being here, having this discussion with me, being open to having this discussion with me. And um, hopefully, uh, we have fostered more discussions to be had to the listeners out there. So thank you very much. Everybody. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. 
Thanks for having us. Bye, Thanks for yes. creating the space. Um, and to all of you out there, uh, stay safe, um, especially if you're out in the streets with our brothers and sisters, uh, peacefully protesting. Stay safe out there. I want to wish everybody happy National Macaroon Day, which is what today is. And as always, thank you for listening to In Yo, Yo Mouth. <laughs> <laughs>